Hi, welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. My name is Becky and you have joined us for our series, Seven Stories, where we're looking at some of the standout stories that Jesus told over 2,000 years ago. Although these stories were told long ago, they are uncannily relevant and applicable to our lives today. So get yourself comfortable and let's begin. Good morning, Forge Debenham. Just every now and then, the powers that be at the Forge say, well, ask someone really old to give the talk. Here I am. I wonder what for you is the most memorable meal you've ever had. So just turn to someone sitting near you um, and just talk about that for a second, will you? What's the most memorable meal you've ever had? Well, that took a minute or two to get going, but you have got going now, so well done. Uh, (coughs) I guess there will be a number of different things that made whatever was memorable for you, memorable for you. Uh, My wife Anne and I talked about it, and we both agreed, independently, that one of the most memorable meals uh, for us uh, was at a restaurant in France. I'd been out there on business, Anne came out to join me. Uh, We did a day sightseeing. We had no plans for the evening, but we realized we were really hungry. Uh, So we went and walked around the town where we were. We saw a restaurant that uh, looked really nice from the outside, actually looked quite smart from the outside. Um, A quick check online, it had great reviews. They'll never have room for us. It'll be fully booked. We went in. They had a table for two, half inside, half outside. The air was warm. The service was excellent. Lovely wine, lovely food. Apparently, we both had steak. I remember that. Anne had macaroons for pudding. I don't know what I had for pudding, but it definitely wouldn't have been macaroons. Uh, It was just memorable. It was lovely, truly memorable. And I don't know, looking back at it, was it the location? Uh, was it the company? Was, the, was it the fact that it was a bit unexpected? Was it the food? Was it the wine? And I think you say, yeah, tick all of those. It was all of the above. And I'd be surprised if it wasn't also true for you. I guess some of my other most memorable meals have been with friends and family, just eating ordinary food often outdoors. Outdoors is really important for me. Um, I think I just live in the wrong country uh, to uh, be able to do that too often. Great, thanks for joining in that. A slightly more challenging question now in your groups as you were before. What's the most memorable party you've ever been to? What's the most memorable party you've ever been to? So I will let you into a secret just in case you think my voice is normally this deep. Um, I was at a great party last night. Um, The daughter uh, of some good friends of ours 
who went through school with our Lydia got married yesterday. Uh, and we were at the wedding, and it was a great uh, party together. I think as we looked back, Anne and I, um, Bex and John's wedding, um, our daughter's wedding, a real celebration with loads of people, many of whom, I think probably all, no, not all, most of whom we knew, a little bit at least, um, but all there in a common cause uh, to celebrate a really happy occasion. Some of you will have been at our volunteer celebration here at the Forge that we held over in Athlington about a year ago. Um, I spoke to lots of you who were there after that event. Uh, you emailed me. Um, we spoke on the phone. We spoke here. I didn't speak to anyone who didn't really enjoy that uh, occasion. I suggested it was a slightly more challenging question, though, because sometimes parties can get a little bit out of hand, can't they? Somehow seems easier for a party to get out of hand uh, than uh, a dinner or a barbecue. And I can think of parties that I've been to that I really haven't uh, enjoyed. Um, so for the record, and we started with this, I am quite old, and I just hate it when the music is so loud that you can't talk to anyone. What is the point? Anyway, I can get over that. Um, but I've been to parties where there's been too much alcohol or the alcohol has been abused. Um, I've been to parties where people have been using drugs and that's made me feel really uncomfortable. I've been to parties where there's been too much sex and that's spoiled my enjoyment. They have stuck in my memory, but there's a difference, isn't there, between them sticking in your memory and then being truly memorable events in a way that brings a smile to your face. Some parties are overindulgent. Some meals do lead us towards eating and drinking too much. If we follow Jesus, if we're trying to live our life in the way that he wants us to live, should we be enjoying those things? Well, Jesus had some things to say about feasting and parties. And we're looking this morning at a story he told about a banquet. We're in week five of a seven-part series, as Helen has reminded us. It's called Seven Stories. I really like that. Does what it says on the tin. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, either here in the room uh, or online, uh, you're really welcome. Uh, and uh, it stands alone, um, what we're doing this morning. It doesn't matter if you've missed the earlier ones, uh, but if you do want to catch up, you can do that online by going to forgechurch.com and clicking on media. If you haven't had a look at our new website yet, it's definitely worth going there and having a look. I think one thing is uncontroversial to say is that Jesus enjoyed a good party. Jesus enjoyed a good meal. A quick look at the records of his life show that Jesus enjoyed a meal with friends. Jesus enjoyed attending a party. One of Jesus' closest friends was a guy called John, and he's one of the people who wrote for us an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. And the first big event in Jesus' life that John records is Jesus attending a wedding celebration. Uh, 
And while he's at that wedding celebration, some of you know the story, uh, the wine runs out. That would have been like a major embarrassment for the host. And Jesus, prompted by his mum, steps in uh, and miraculously provides more wine. But that's just one example. All four of those eyewitness accounts are littered with stories where Jesus is eating, where Jesus is drinking, where Jesus is spending time with his friends. Sometimes it's in people's houses. Sometimes it's a picnic in the open air with thousands of people. And Jesus tells stories about food and drink as well. And we have one of those stories to look at this morning. Let's read it together. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him, so he's telling a story about a banquet while he's eating with friends, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. It's a great story. Jesus was a great storyteller and he used his stories to get across uh, his point. Jesus talks about what he's come to do as the ushering in of a new era for those who want to have a relationship with God, for those who want to know him. Up until the point that Jesus has arrived, it's been about following rules and then making sacrifices so that you can be forgiven for having broken those rules. Jesus says the new era is based on a single rule Love one another. And based on a once and for all sacrifice that Jesus himself would make when he was crucified. And Jesus uses the language of his day to describe the new era that he's come to bring. And he calls it the kingdom of God. 
And those of us who would put our hands up and say, I'm a Jesus follower this morning, we are part of that kingdom. A kingdom that started back in the day when Jesus was on earth and which has grown into a worldwide movement with millions of adherents. And what's this kingdom like? What's this new era like that Jesus has brought into being? It's like a banquet. How about that? It's like a banquet. Jesus is saying, my kingdom that I've come to bring, it's like a banquet. I want us to get hold of that this morning. It's like a banquet. And when we get together to have a party, when we get together with friends to have a meal, we are giving expression to the new kingdom, the new era that Jesus brought in. We should get together to enjoy one another's company. We should enjoy good food. We should enjoy a drink. We should enjoy a dance. It's natural, it's right, it's appropriate because Jesus' kingdom is like a banquet. I'm sure there's loads we could pick out of Jesus' story. I've just picked out three things to answer the question, what is this banquet like? And the first thing I've picked out, that Jesus' banquet has a lavish and a generous menu. Jesus' banquet is lavish and generous. I have lost my place. Here we go. Um, I really need to... um, I really do need to find it because otherwise um, we won't get very far at all. I need page five, and if anyone's got page five out there, I found page five. Because I knew there was a story. There was a story one day, which is a really salutary story to someone like me, whose role in the church is partly about looking after the money. Uh, there's a story in Jesus' life where, once again, he's having meal, a meal with friends, Uh, And where a woman comes with a jar of really expensive perfume, which uh, she opens or she would have broken it in those days because it would have been sealed. And she pours it over Jesus' feet. And one of uh, Jesus' friends, a guy called Judas, who was the man who looked after the money, was scandalized and said, this is such a waste. Um, That perfume could have been sold and the money could have been given to the poor. And of course, Judas was right. That perfume could have been sold, and the money that it raised could have been given to the poor. But Jesus teaches that sometimes it's right to give to the poor, and that at other times it's right to be extravagant and throw a party. And how about inviting the poor to the party? There is such a thing as a spiritual gift of hospitality, and uh, mark me, I know, because I'm married to someone who's got it. Um, And uh, I sometimes get frustrated, I have to say, when people are coming for a meal at our house uh, and everything gets planned as Anne starts to worry about the starters and what people like. uh, And what should we have for main course? And do we need a choice of vegetables? And do we do vegetables uh, as well as salad? Or do we just do salad? Uh, And then when it comes to the pudding, is three puddings really enough? Yeah, 
One pudding is enough, uh, but we would normally go for three. And I have to stop myself being grumpy, and sometimes I succeed, uh, because actually I think what Anne is doing is what Jesus wants. He wants us to be generous. And when we have a meal, when we meet with friends, when we have a party, he wants us to be generous, and he wants us to make it enjoyable and memorable for the people who come. So Jesus' banquet is a real feast with a lavish uh, menu. When we give a bit of a party, are we generous with our food and with our drink? Then Jesus' banquet is also generous in its guest list. Jesus' banquet is generous with Uh, his guest list. Although the host of the banquet in Jesus's story starts by inviting his friends, he ends up inviting everyone and everyone is invited to Jesus's banquet. Everyone is invited to follow Jesus. When we have a bit of a party, do we just invite our few close friends Or are we generous with our guest list? Do we just invite our type of people? Or do we invite people who aren't like us? When the writers of the um, Christian um, holy text uh, use the word hospitality, the root of the word uh, is not about being good to your friends. It's about making the stranger welcome. If you're with us for the first time online, or if you're here in the room for the first time this morning, it's almost certainly because someone invited you. Helen was encouraging us to invite. Jesus invites everyone to his party. So can that just encourage us to invite people? to watch online, to join us here when we meet. Andy Stanley uh, says that Jesus liked people who weren't like him, and they liked him back. How many friends do we have who aren't like us, and how many of them do we invite when we're having a party? third thing, and actually the reason that the banquet in Jesus' story ends up having so many guests is because the people who were originally invited, many of them were no-shows. And that's the third thing, that there are a lot of no-shows at Jesus' banquet. Jesus as he tells this story, he's having a meal with the religious people, the churchgoers, if you like, of his day. And the whole meeting, if you read the story, is kind of a setup because it's on their holy day and they've brought a guy who is crippled and they have a cunning plan because if they can get Jesus to heal this man on a holy day, they've got him banged to rights. They can accuse him of desecrating their Sabbath day uh, and perhaps they can put a dent into his credibility and his popularity. 
But Jesus is smart. Jesus sees it's coming. Jesus knows what they're doing. And he takes it head on. And he heals the man. And then he deals with the kind of theological crossfire that develops from it. He takes the bull by the horns. And he tells them about this kingdom banquet. And he tells them how generous it will be in all respects. And one of the people who's there kind of says, yes, we're really looking forward to being with you on that day. Except you might not be there. Jesus says, and I bet you could have heard the proverbial pin drop as he said that, because these were the religious people. These were the people who thought they knew God. These were the people that other people looked to if they wanted to know about God. And Jesus is saying, you may not be there. Because there are lots of no-shows at Jesus' banquet. It would have worked, I understand it, something like this. You're planning a party. And so you send the invitations out. And it's sort of like a cross between a hold the date and an invitation. So it's hold the date, but RSVP. So let me know whether you're going to come. And the natural instinct, of course, unless you had a really pressing prior um, that you really couldn't change, was, yes, I will be there. And so the host would total up, oh, yeah, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. That many people, okay, armed with that information, we will get on and we will prepare this. We will order the wine. We will order the band. Uh, We'll get enough tables and tablecloths and table decorations and favours and all the stuff that you do. We'll cook the food, we'll get it all ready, we'll lay it all out, and when we're ready, we'll go and say to those people, this is the time, it's time for you to come to the party, and everyone would come. But in this case, they made excuses. And they made pretty feeble excuses. I've bought a field, and I need to look at it. Really? I've married a wife and I can't come. Well, bring her with you. You know, what's this about? They are feeble excuses. He's issued invitations, but there are no shows. And some of us have kind of made a decision in the past, haven't we, at some point in our lives. Yep, I think I'm going to follow Jesus. Yep, I'm in. But the weeks have passed and the months have passed and the years have passed. And we're not really pursuing Jesus. Others of us have heard the invitation and we think, yep, perhaps I will follow Jesus. But to be honest, I'm young, so I'm a bit busy enjoying myself at the moment. So maybe I'll do it in a few years' time. And in a few years' time, oh, I'm married now and I've got children and life is just so busy. I'll follow Jesus at some point in the future. And then at some point in the future, your business has grown and it's all consuming. I'll follow Jesus when I'm a bit older. You know, in a marriage, you don't just say, I love you and I'd like to marry you. 
and leave it at that. I love you and I'd like to marry you and I'm going to pursue you in a relationship for the rest of my life. And following Jesus is the same. It's a lifetime pursuit. So what are we going to do about this banquet then? What are we going to do about this story that Jesus told? I've got two things that I want to encourage you to do one of. You can do them both if you want, um, but I want to encourage you to do one of them. And the first is, please don't be a no-show at Jesus's party, at Jesus's kingdom. Please don't be a no-show at Jesus's kingdom. If you are feeling drawn, if you have ever felt drawn to follow Jesus, then your next step is to find someone to talk to about that and to find them this morning. There'll be people down here afterwards who would be happy to talk to you. Maybe it's the person who invited you here this morning or invited you the first time you came. Um, just find someone and talk to them about that because they would love to talk to you about it, explain how it works, and explain how you can start to follow Jesus. And if that's not particularly you, because you're already following Jesus, then what I'd like you to do is throw a party, please. Please throw a party, and please invite me. No, seriously, throw a party. I'd like you to plan a party, plan a meal, and I'd like you to be really generous in what you provide at that party and what you provide at that meal, and I'd like you to be really generous in the invite list and think of something who wouldn't normally be invited to your party or to your dinner or to your supper or to your barbecue, and I want you to invite them. You could do that on your own. You could do it with your friends. What I want you to do is do it. If you think about what we've been talking about, and if afterwards you were to reflect on the story, I think you'd agree with me that what we've been looking at is actually a story of two kingdoms. The host of the banquet kind of has his own kingdom would appear that he's a wealthy person, would appear that he has friends. It would appear that he was in business and there were people who would be helpful to his business and those were the people that he invited to his banquet. His banquet was a way of building his kingdom, of enhancing his business, of making his social life more engaging and more uh, enjoyable. Through it, he would become more influential and he would be reinforced in his status in the kingdom. And when those people he's invited make those lame excuses and don't come, he decides to pursue a different kingdom instead. A kingdom that isn't about him and his interests, not even about his family and his family's interests. He decides to pursue Jesus' kingdom. And I know there's something in me that treats Jesus like a kind of add-on to my kingdom. I'll follow Jesus 
but I've still got my job, I've still got my family, I've still got my home, I've still got my friends, I've still got my business, whatever it is for you. And I'm going to carry on pursuing those. And I want Jesus to be part of that and to bless it and to make it successfully. And yet what Jesus teaches is all of those things, our family, our friends, our career, our way of life, are actually rather fragile and don't last. And Jesus' kingdom, if you get under the skin of it a little bit, is actually rather more subversive. Jesus' kingdom is what turned the world of his day upside down. And Jesus wants to turn our lives upside down. And if you think that sounds scary, I agree. It's scary. But Jesus offers us and Jesus calls us to a way of life that will subvert our way of thinking about success, about wealth, about pain, about misfortune, about hardship. Jesus calls us to stop building. Jesus calls me to stop building my kingdom. To stop building the world around myself the way I want it to be and asking him to help. Living in a way that blinds me to the radical invitation that Jesus makes, which is to put my way down and give my life away for his way, to lay aside and to sacrifice my time and my energy and my status and my reputation and my money for the sake of the people around me. Thank you so much for listening. We want to keep the conversation going, so make sure you follow us on our social media accounts at Forge Church. If you want to see or hear more about The Forge, check us out online at forgechurch.com, where there's an opportunity to find out more, a chance to give, and to browse previous series. See you next time.